This morning I wanted to talk about another one of Soma's shared values. Uh, we've been going through our shared values as a church uh, in hopes that all of us as individuals will uh, adapt these or share these values, um, not just so that we can all be on the same page on some corporate church values, but so that we can actually um, live lives that are changing, that are looking more and more like Jesus. And um, we're hoping that, that these values will actually become valuable to you, that they would become treasures to you. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And one of the things I said a couple of weeks ago is that the condition of your heart will always determine the direction of your life. The condition of your heart will always determine the direction of your life. And so it's very important to, uh, to tend to your heart. It's what we've been talking about. We want to live lives worthy of the calling. We want to not just be hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. We want our actions to line up with our intentions, right? And so what we're doing is, is some of us, I think, are probably just being reminded of things that we value. Others might be um, establishing some values for the very first time in their life. And I would, I would probably say many of us are actually in the process of redefining our values. This week, I want to look at transformational truth. Transformational truth is actually our third uh, shared value. Um, if you go to our website, if you look at some of our stuff, basically we value teaching the Word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, it's, it's not going to be activated. You understand what I mean? It's not going to be activated. Um, believing that this is the only thing to bring about true change in our life. And so we're going to talk about transformational truth this morning. And I don't know if you guys have really ever thought about this. This week as I was thinking about just the word transformation, I was thinking about how transformation is such a buzzword in our culture right now. I don't know if you guys uh, can follow what I'm talking about, but it's really um, a buzzword, at least the idea of transformation. If you think about all of the uh, all the self-improvement shows that are out there. You guys know what I'm talking about? There's all these shows that, that are about self-improvement and um, um, just about really everything, every aspect of life. I wrote a few of them down. You have shows about weight loss, physical appearance, um, about fashion, style, um, grooming, <laughs> whatever, all that stuff, child-rearing, um, attaining difficult um, goals, makeover, marriage, relationship building, all that stuff. They have uh, shows about... Improving upon your manner, uh, your manners, uh, etiquette, all this kind of stuff. There's all kinds of uh, topics of shows out there. And as I was thinking about it, I thought, you know, I mean, there's a ton. I could, I could, well, I will list. Uh, the Biggest Loser, um, Fat March, Extreme Makeover, Extreme Home Makeover, Extreme Makeover Car Edition. I mean, they just, and I've heard of another, other ones that, are, that have tried to jumpstart and live, and they're just not working or whatever, but there's all kinds of extreme makeover shows. Uh, you guys are familiar with Super Nanny, Nanny 911, um, World's Strictest Parents. You guys ever heard of that? There's a show called Made. I've never heard of it before. Uh, there's one called What Not to Wear. There's one called Charm School. One of my favorites is From G's to Gents. <laughs> What's up, G? I'm becoming a gent, you know what I mean? I guess that's what it's about. I mean, I kind of looked into it, and I, I started to sign up for the show, see if they would take me, but they, I don't know if they would. 
Um, there's one called I Want a Famous Face. Uh, like we all don't want a famous face. I mean, um, Dancing with Stars. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. All these shows that, that build upon someone uh, improving or, or, or getting better or whatever. And uh, all of these shows fall within the, the uh, self-improvement genre. And it focuses on transformation. And guys, people are going gaga over these shows. Maybe you watch these shows, and that's fine. I'm not saying it's wrong to watch those shows, but bottom line is there's a real buzz right now in our culture about self-improvement, about transformation. Maybe we don't use this word uh, transformation, but the whole uh, self-improvement thing. And let me just say this. If you write things down, start writing things down. There is a big difference between physical transformation and spiritual transformation. A big difference. I mean, worlds apart. Massive gap in between those. Physical transformation can easily happen at the work of our own hands. Would you guys agree? I mean, I want to lose some weight. I can pick up some bar. There's some things that I can do. I want to change the way I look. I go grab some mascara and I put it right on. (laughs) not saying I ever have done that. I'm not saying I haven't done that. <laughs> there apparently are photos floating across Facebook right now of me with mascara on. I deny all things with that. But think about it. Think of what you can do to improve yourself. Any of this list up here, the, the physical appearance, the fashion, uh, attaining goals, makeover, marriage, relationship, all these things, manners, etiquette, your hands can have a go at that physical transformation right? Spiritual transformation can only happen at the work of His hand. not saying that there's not things that we can be a part of and to do, but the true transformation, the true transformation of spiritual things in our life can only be accomplished at the work of His hands. And the promise of the work of His hands, God's hands, is simply this, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Most of us are familiar with this. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, the new things have come. Transformation. If anyone is in Christ. Now, how many in this room would say that they are in Christ and Christ is in them? Raise your hand. Raise them high. Be proud of it. You wear that transformation. Work that up, do. Okay? <laughs> then listen to me. According to God's word, you are a new creation. Let's settle this this morning. You are a new creation. The old stuff is gone. It's passed away. Behold, look, check it out. New things have come. And I think, uh, I'm convinced really, that we as Christians have got to put this in our pipe and smoke it. Okay? Because whatever it is that we're smoking now has our brains convinced that we are the same person that we were before Christ. But we're not. Since Christ, I have changed. Something has changed. Amen? Maybe that was a bad analogy. I, should, I won't use the pipe thing again. Some of you are like, are we, are we talking tobacco? Are we talking? I'm just saying, you know, something is affecting our minds in a negative way, in an unbiblical, unbecoming of a Christian of a believer, a follower of Christ, way. 
If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Jesus said, so if the Son makes you free, some of you virgins say sets you free, Jesus Christ sets you free, then you will be free indeed. Unrestrained, no longer bound. Free indeed. Truly, you are no longer bound. As a follower of Christ, I am no longer chained to my former way of life. And I'm not the only one in this room. No one in this room, if you're in Christ, the chains that have bound you to your old formal way of living, those have been broken. Not just broken, but tossed away. We are a new creation in Jesus Christ. And there's a major uh, before and after picture that goes along with this verse. Behold, the old things have passed away, the new things have come. There's a major before and after picture with this which is what we are striving to see and maybe gain hope from in the physical sense when we watch extreme this, extreme that. The before and the after. That's what we're looking for, the before and the after. Now, what I want to do is I want to show you two places in the world we're going to look at some, some pretty sweet before and afters, okay? So let's look at Mark 5. Let's turn there first. Mark chapter 5. Some of you are familiar with this. We're going to read it, some of it. It says, they came to the other side of the sea, talking about Jesus and his disciples, into the country of the Gerasenes. When he got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs, you guys know what a tomb is, with an unclean spirit met him. And he had his dwelling among the tombs. He lived among the tombs in the graveyard. And no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been torn apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces and no one was strong enough to subdue him because he was full of evil spirits and they were so strong in him that it was causing him to be supernaturally strong. Constantly, day and night, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and uh, gashing himself with stones. Seeing Jesus... From a distance, he ran up and bowed before him and shouting with a loud uh, voice, he said, What business do we have with each other? Jesus, Son of the Most High God, I implore you by God, do not torment me. This is the demons talking to Jesus. For he had been saying, Jesus had been saying, Come out of that man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, Jesus was asking, What is your name? And he said to him, My name is Legion. For we are many. many. Legion, a, a legion in the Roman army is a, is a, a group of soldiers of about three to five, maybe 6,000. So apparently, the terminology, if you, if you go with the terminology he's using, this man is filled with maybe a couple, few, several thousand evil spirits. You follow? Okay. Now there was a large herd of swine... Well, he said, uh, they began to implore him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now, there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountain. The demons implored him, saying, send us into the swine so that we may enter them. Jesus gave them permission, and coming out, the unclean spirits entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about 200 of them, and they were drowned in the sea. 
The herdsmen ran away and reported it in the city and in the country. And the people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed sitting down, clothed. If you look in, uh, I think it's the account in Luke, it talks about how he was actually naked too. Gross. Anyway. Sitting down, clothed, and in his right mind. The very man who had the legion, and they became frightened. Those who had seen it described to them how it happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine. They began to implore him to leave their region. And there's reasons for that. I don't have time to go into it. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him, Jesus, that he might accompany him. Can I go with you? And Jesus said, go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone is amazed. So that's one example of a transformation. We'll talk about it more in a second. Let's look at the other one. You ready? Um, Look at Luke 15. Luke chapter 15. This is the story of the prodigal son. Most of us are very familiar with this story. I'm going to read it. Read along with me. This is Jesus. He's, he's teaching parables. He's speaking to the people, trying to get them to understand biblical truths, concepts from his word, principles. He said, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. Give me my inheritance. So he, the father, divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant land. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country. And he sent him into the field to feed pigs, swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving him anything. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I'm out here dying with hunger? I think I'll get up and go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men." So he got up, came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said quickly to his slaves, he said, quickly, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fattened cow, kill it. Let us eat and celebrate, for the son of mine was dead. Now he's come to life. He was lost, and he has been found, and they began to celebrate. Now right there, there's two examples, I I would think you would agree, of two pretty good um, cases of spiritual transformation. Would you guys agree? Now I'm looking at these two, and I was thinking, several things that I want to share, but first I want to just talk about um, the process of transformation. The process of transformation. The process of transformation begins and ends, we know this, with the Father's love and the work of His Son, Jesus Christ. That, that's, it begins 
with the Father's love and the work of Jesus, and it'll end with that. Everything revolves. It's possible because those things happen. The Father loves us. He sent His only Son to come to the earth to uh, die on the cross as payment for our sins. That is a truth that you can tank uh, to the bank every time. That's, that's a given, right? When and how this truth hits us and the rate at which it transforms us is very different for every individual. The Father's love and His work hits us all the same. Bam! It's for all of us. It provides all of us with salvation, sanctification. Amen? But when and how this truth hits us and the rate or the speed of our spiritual transformation is going to be different. Every one of us. The reason I say this is because Many of us have a hard time with this. One way or the other. The rate of change. The rate of transformation. We all want to be like the garrison demoniac. Instantly and radically different. Raise your hand if that's you. We beg for it. We plead for it. We pray for it. If a million jumping jacks would get it done, we would be doing a million jumping jacks. We want that kind of transformation. Instant and radical. And I was just thinking, you know, slow and steady change is just as significant as instant and radical transformation. Slow and steady is still significant. But if our mind is wrapped up in, I want to be radically and, and, and just, I want it all done right now, we are going to be severely disappointed. Slow and steady. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray for God to do things quickly. I'm just saying the reality is, is that many of us experience that spiritual transformation, A to Z, kind of slow and steady. That was my experience. I didn't get radically saved. I got saved. But when I got saved, there were some things that changed immediately. But there's a whole lot that's still in progress. And I can remember seasons of my early life as a believer getting very frustrated as I would look at other people and, how are they growing so fast? Or, how are they so perfect already? And, you know, and it just kind of getting defeated almost. But, you know, I've lived a lot of years now I've been in ministry, ministering to people as a, as a teacher and shepherd or whatever for a lot of years now. And, and I've come to, to learn that sometimes, I'm not going to say that, it's not better. Slow and steady is not better. But I will say this, I have heard of so many people that, are, that have claimed this. Um, I've been delivered! And they run and they shout and they jump and they boast and they, I'm this and I'm that. And they even kind of lord it over people at sometimes. And they're going for it and they say that it's this, that. And then three weeks later, three months later, whatever, there's this uh, familiarity with the lifestyle that they lived before Christ. Ultimately, what they want to say is, I'm done, I'm changed, yeah, it's all done. Yeah, radically, I'm like the garrison demoniac. Just changed. But the truth is, is like, yeah, actually, you're probably on a little bit slower journey. And guess what? That's okay. And we can be encouraged. It's okay. And we can be encouraged if the journey is a little slower 
of a pace than what we would like to see. The process is different for individuals. You guys tracking with me what I'm trying to say there? So that's the first thing I wanted to say. I just wanted to encourage, uh, I meet with people all the time that just d- get discouraged about the, the pace at which God is changing them. How many of you have ever been discouraged at the pace at which God is changing you? I have. But I've kind of learned, you know, um, I don't know if this applies completely here, but it's like the turtle in the hair. Slow and steady wins the race, you know? The other thing I want to talk about is, is um, uh, you know, the fact that we are all in the same boat when it comes to um, what God needs to accomplish in it. It may be at a different pace, but God's working the same thing in us. Two things, and they're found in both of these stories. And so what I want to do is um, look back at Mark 5 and Luke 15, get, you, get to where you can kind of go back and forth. Um, one of the things that he wants to do is draw us near and clean us up. You can write that. Draw us near, clean us up. We are far away and unclean, and we need to be brought near and cleaned up. That's something that he's got to work in all of us, is to draw us near and clean us up. And if you look at both of these stories, if you look at Mark 5, 1 through 20, you look at the Gerasene demon act, there's two things that it mentions as it relates to these two things. First of all, it says that he, um, um, well, if you look back at Mark 4, you're going to have to turn back a little bit for that talks about how the disciples and Jesus got in the boat and went to the other side, other side of a great body of water, it seems like. A, a, a journey, there's a storm, there's all this going on. It seems like they, they went you know, to a pretty distant place. They went to the other side. So they were going far away. And the other thing, it says, is that there was a herd of swine nearby. Okay, so right there you see this idea of being far away. And if you know anything about pigs, especially in the Jewish culture, what are pigs considered? Unclean. There was pigs all over the place where this guy was at, right? Where did the demons go? Into the pigs. How many were there? There was 200 pigs, but like maybe a few thousand demons going into those pigs. 200 pigs. That's a lot of pigs. So this guy was in a foreign land and surrounded by swine. God's trying to tell us something here. He traveled all the way across the sea. By the way, if you read the story, as soon as they did this for this man, they just jumped right back in the boat and went right back over. It's like God went over there just for this guy to a foreign place to make this guy Clean. You guys see that? And you see the same thing in the picture of the prodigal son. What did it say? The, the son got a wild hair idea. And if you read the story, there kind of seems like there's the prodigal son probably was raised with some sort of understanding of God. Maybe Jesus is speaking of a, of a Jewish man. But look what it says. The guy wanted his inheritance, and it says that he grabbed it and journeyed to what? A distant country. It's not like he... He grabbed it and went like to his neighbor's house and partied it up. He literally went far away from his father's house to a distant country, to a distant land. And then what did he find himself doing by the end of it all? Surrounded by swine. And it's a picture. Both of these things are parallel. What you see is the rate, two different rates of transformation, two different circumstances, 
But one of the things that's consistent in both is the need to be brought near, come back home, being in a foreign place, and the need to be cleaned up. We all share that. We may not share the same rate of transformation, but we share the same need from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? To be brought near, what brings us near to God? The blood of Jesus Christ. We are brought near by the blood of the Lamb. What cleans us up just happens to be the blood of the Lamb. Amen? This is the work of Jesus Christ. This is why He was sent. Out of the love that the Father had for us, He was sent to provide a way for us to be brought near and cleaned up. Ephesians 2 speaks directly to this. He says, when you were, um, he says, then you are no longer strangers and aliens. Both of those translate foreigner. But you are a fellow citizen with the saints and are of God's household. How? By the work of Jesus Christ. We've been brought now. We're no longer foreigners in a far off land. We're back home. We've been made right. We've been brought near. And then you look at 1 Corinthians 5. It says, clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump. Speaking of transformation. Just as you are, in fact, unleavened. So he's like, what he's saying here is, is I've made you clean. Now, it may be a little bit of a process to keep you clean. It's like I've made you positionally clean, eternally clean. But you're in this world. Try not to be of it. And when you get defiled, when things come along that... Uh, Dirty up your mind or dirty up your hands or whatever. Come to me. I'm faithful and just to forgive. And we'll clean you right up. Then he says, for Christ our Passover also has been sacrificed. And he talks about the whole thing. Foreigner and unclean. Being brought near and being made clean. So that was one thing that I think we share. We're in the same boat when it comes to that. The rate of transformation might be different. But we share those two things. The other thing I was thinking about is the different ways that we're hit with the truth. Truth of God transforms us. It's transformational truth. Truth is what transforms us. We know that according to the word. But we're all hit with that truth in different ways. Amen? Did all of us come to, the, to know the Lord in a cookie cutter exact same way? No. Did these two guys right here, the Gerasene demoniac and the prodigal son, did they come to the Lord? Did they experience the the drawing near and the, uh, the cleaning up, I guess, but through the blood. Yes, they did. But their experience of it all, did it, did, was it the same? It wasn't the same. Check it out. If you look at both of these accounts, it says that, um, in Mark 5, it says, Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed before him. This is the encounter that the demoniac had. It's like he encountered all those demons messed up situation encountered truth himself like flat out it wasn't this truth that it was the truth it was Jesus look at what it says it says that seeing Jesus from a distance it's like this guy's probably yelling and screaming and, and he's naked and he's doing whatever he's doing cutting himself and all of a sudden from a distance he's like and the demons would have recognized the truth and the way the truth the life they would have recognized the truth from any distance wouldn't they from a distance they saw Jesus and like And they could not help themselves. They had to run. It says that they ran to him. Look what it says. They ran up to him and bowed down before him. That word bowed down translates worship. 
They literally got down. This is what they had to do. Why? Because they encountered the truth. Jesus himself. That's just the way it happened for this guy. But then you look at the prodigal son, and it says, you know, got a little selfish, a little ambition, went on a little journey, got his inheritance, went on a journey, started partying it up, feeding pigs for a while. Didn't say how long he was feeding pigs. It just says at some point, he came to his senses. How many days was he, going, was he there just doing the thing, going, gosh, I, this is no fun, this is no fun, pondering, what could I do to get out of this situation? It could have been days, it could have been weeks, it could have been months. But at some point, Scripture indicates that he came to his senses. That word came means to arrive. To arrive, in other words, he, he, there's probably a journey going on in his head. And finally, oh, what am I doing? says that he came to his senses, he arrived uh, in his senses or in himself or in his mind. He arrived at the thought. And what was his thought? You look on and he says, the truth is, what I had at home wasn't so bad. The truth is, I had a loving father. The truth is, I had a pretty cool brother. I had a great job. I had an inheritance, which is blown out. The truth is, things were better for me then. If you look in there, it talks about how um, he came. He said, um, Father, I've sinned against you in heaven. So there was probably some sort of awareness of God and maybe even parts of Scripture in him. And he came to his senses and remembered, oh, the truth. And what did the truth do? Sent him on a journey home. So the garrison demoniac hit Jesus, or Jesus hit him like that. It was just like, whoa, they saw him from a distance and, and bolted towards him. This guy had to ponder it for a while. I was a guy that had to ponder it for a while. In fact, two years pondering my life versus what is out there for me in Jesus Christ. And it took a while. I finally got it, though. I finally said, okay, I see. The, the, what you're offering is way better than I, what I currently have. Some people, they saw Jesus from a distance. They, they, I don't know. You know, just It's hard to completely make that work as far as this analogy. But you can see the way that truth hits people is differently. So I can't compare myself to Marvin, how he got saved. You can't compare yourself to me. Cynthia can't compare herself to you. It's just God's doing the same thing in all of us. He's drawing us near and making us clean. He's drawing us near and making us clean. And we can be confident of this, that he who began that good work in us will be faithful to complete it. That's all we need to know. Not how fast, not when, not if I'm going to be better than or worse than this person or there, but he will, he will be faithful to complete it. He might even be slow and steady as he does it. But on the other end of it, I can be sure that I will see the Lord. Amen? So you see, like I said earlier, that there's a, a major before and after picture that we've got to begin to understand. Not just understand, but experience. And one of the things that you see, I just want to show you the before and the after of the demonic, uh, the garrison demoniac and the prodigal son. Before the demoniac was naked, everybody say it, naked. naked. He was out of his mind and he was out of control. That was before. Afterwards... Say it with me. He was clothed. He was in his right mind. And he was sitting still. It's a miracle. That's what the people were saying. Oh, well, what's going on? Get this guy out of here. He's going to change everybody. 
Look at the prodigal son. Before, before it says that he was um, impoverished, right? It says that he was uh, hungry. And what else was he? He was uh, poor. Poor, impoverished, I guess it's the same thing. But he was in a bad situation, you know? (laughs) And I don't know. (laughs) Hey, where's the grace, man? No. But we know that if he was digging around with pigs, he was probably sloppy and gross and no telling what his clothes like. So it's a very, very good chance that he had very little on, right? So before he was poor, he was hungry, and possibly even naked. And then afterwards, what does it say? Say it with me. He was clothed. He was rich. Remember the ring and the sandals on his feet, the ring? Clothed, again, clothed, rich, and feasting. So both of these guys had a major spiritual and physical transformation. You guys see what I'm saying? And I'll say this, I don't, you can write it down if you want to. If you don't come to your senses, you, you're going to lose your mind. I thought about that, I'm just going to say it. If you don't go ahead and come to your senses at some point, you are going to lose your mind. How many of you have gotten to that place before? You just kind of wallowed around the pigsty for so long. Maybe you're even still there this morning. And you're like, I feel like I am out of my mind. I feel like I want to take my clothes off right now and just run down the street. <laughs> Please don't do that. We are not that type of a church. Listen, here's what I would like to end with this morning. A little bit of an assignment, okay? And you can write this down. It's going to be on the screen. You ready? What truths of God's Word are you having a hard time believing? If the truth transforms us, if it sets us free, and you're in a place of discouragement, hard time believing, what truths are you having a hard time believing? And I want to encourage you to do two things this next week, and not just this next week, but for the rest of your life. For this week, maybe, get... Um, get with someone to be encouraged. Maybe it's a life group leader. Maybe it's someone else in your life group. If you're not in a life group, maybe you go find a life group so that you can be encouraged. Or maybe you have some sources, some friends, some parents, some mentors. Go get encouraged. If you're discouraged and you're having a hard time believing that some of God's word, the truth of His word is right and good for you, that you truly have been made new, you're a new creation, new creature in Christ Jesus, if you're having a time with that, go get encouraged. You need to be encouraged. You don't need to be by yourself. What happens then? The enemy comes in while you're all by yourself and just reinforces all the negative thoughts and and lack of understanding of God's Word, and it just propels and perpetuates, and life gets worse. Go get encouraged. Go get encouraged this week. And another thing is maybe memorize some Scripture that speak directly to those truths. Maybe you don't feel like you're worth anything. Maybe you don't feel like God's even started a good work in you. Well, get into Philippians 1.6. He will finish what He started in you. You know? Make a list. What, what's, what, where are you discouraged? I'm not believing this. I'm not believing that He can forgive. Well, go get some scriptures that talk about that. If you don't know the scriptures, back up to number one. Go find someone who does. Amen? Let's stand.